Hello and welcome everyone to our next episode of Help and Trade podcast, where we give space to entrepreneurs and their startups. My today's guest is Jesse Sepenitz, who already was on our podcast as a guest, presenting his own venture called Pocket Revolutions, and is here today again because we decided to do a workshop. Currently, everything is on lockdown, therefore making a podcast is really difficult, and doing a podcast on remote proves to be rather difficult. So we decided to make a workshop, invite our guests in our usual meetups, and the topic we present is called Worldly Mapping, which is a methodology which will help you make better decision-making in your businesses, in your ventures, but also in your private endeavors. And Jesse is so kind to present the topic. Therefore, dear listener, if you would like to see the video recording of it, would you like to have some tangible materials, please go for our YouTube link where we display the materials that Jesse actually presented in our workshop. And if you just want to continue listening, please be aware that there is also a hands-on practical part in our recording where Jesse went through through the business case of help and trade meetup where we displayed how worldly mapping can really work. So better not to miss the chance to see how it really works hands-on. Please switch to YouTube. Uh, that's probably going to be a better experience for you overall. Anyway, thank you very much for coming over today. Really appreciate it. Um, and before we go on with the workshop, please connect with us on our social media, whether it is uh, Facebook or Instagram under the help and trade one brand name, or you can also connect with us via Instagram, just as well as you can drop us an email on contact at helpandtrade.com. Uh, Jesse as well presents his contact details where you can connect with him. So don't forget to go for jesse at pocketrevolutions.com. And with that, thank you very much. And I'm giving the word to Jesse, who will right away jump into presenting what is worldly mapping all about. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. I'll try to give you guys a brief overview of worldly mapping, what it is, what you can use for it. And then I'm going to use Stefan as a guinea pig in the following 20 minutes. And we're going to try to construct one live with some feedback from, from you guys. So that's the plan. So why are we here? As Stefan said, this meetup has a certain purpose and it's geared towards entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs have businesses and they want their businesses to, at the very least, survive and at the very most to thrive. And so how do you do that? If you go back to the, the fundamental concepts of, of what a business is, it's, you can see it as an entity in an environment. And this entity can take certain actions and it can shape its environment, um, but it can also adapt to, the, to its environment. This is very fundamental. The challenge becomes when we start thinking about what is our environment and what steps can we take? How can we shape our environment and how can we adapt to it? So at this point, it gets a bit more complicated. <clears throat> so I see it as four main challenges. I'll go into these uh, in a bit more depth after this, but the main challenges as I see it are um, something I call the high dimensionality problem. This means that there's so many things to take into account. There's a lot of dimensions or a lot of domains um, that it just becomes too complex to, to analyze. Then there's the problem that you have all these dimensions and they're also changing. So, you know, what your customers want today might be different tomorrow. And then there's the ambiguity problem that you might be able to measure certain things like how many customers you have, but um, what do they really want? 
this is something that could be um, interpreted differently by depending who you ask. And then in this world with these three challenges, then the only way to really learn is to act and then to observe the response of your actions. Are they providing the results that you want? But then the problem is that we don't really know the beginning state before we acted. So when we take that action and the result is say positive, but we didn't know the beginning state that we don't know what we did was right for the right reasons. So it's these challenges that Wardley mapping tries to address. So I'll go into them a bit deeper, except for the ambiguity problem. I won't be covering that in this, in this presentation. So Wardley tackles these by drawing from different bodies of knowledge. The high dimensionality problem he tackles by using an old book um, called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And Sun Tzu has something called the five factors. I'll go over that in the next slides. The everything is constantly changing problem, Wardley tackles with Boyd's ODA loop. And the lack of context problem, this is where the Wardley mapping comes in. So I'll cover that now. So the high dimensionality problem. So the problem is, as a business that wants to survive and thrive, you need to take into account, why are you in business? What service or product are you offering? Who are your competitors? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's a list, but the, the questions go on. You can see these as different dimensions, different domains, just a lot to consider. So Wardley's approach is, okay, let's group these together. He says, let's look at this ancient book, uh, comes from China on, on how to wage war properly. And the author Sun Tzu identifies five factors. And the five factors are purpose, landscape, climate, doctrine, and leadership. Purpose is why are you playing this game? Why are you waging war? Why are you here? The landscape is a description of the environment as it is right now. So in the context of war, this might be the mountains and the rivers and um, the, the trees, etc. In the context of business, this might be what resources have you, who are your competitors, a snapshot of the current state of things. The climate is less clear. These are the forces that act on the landscape. They can change the landscape, but they are constantly changing. And we don't have control over the climate, but we can, by observing the landscape, we can observe what the patterns are. Then there's doctrine. So doctrine classically in, in Sun Tzu's Art of War is about what do you tell your troops? What are the operational principles? What, are, what is the training that you give them? And then finally, when you integrate all these and you make decisions, this is the domain of leadership. So again, what, what Wardley is doing here is he's saying that to survive and thrive as a business is such a complicated problem. Let's group it into these five different domains, and this should make it easier. But there's one problem. But before we get there, let me show you how this works in a different domain. So for those of you familiar with poker, this will be easier. Um, I'm quite familiar with the scene, so for me, this is a, 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 an example that's easy to talk about. So in poker, we can also construct a lot of these questions, a lot of these different dimensions. So um, why are you at the table? Because you want to make money. This becomes your purpose. 
then the amount of chips you have, the amount of chips your opponents has, the, the position of my opponents, this becomes the landscape. Then how the game works, if your opponent is maybe getting angry and starts to play differently. If your opponent hasn't played a hand in a very long time because he's waiting for two aces, for instance, these are things that are changing. So this becomes the climate. And then you might have a doctrine as a poker player yourself. So if you feel emotional, you're not going to play a hand. Or in general, you choose that you're going to be very conservative. This is your principle. So this is your doctrine. And then ultimately, again, integrating all these, this becomes the domain of leadership. So again, we're taking this domain with a lot of different questions, a lot of different dimensions, and we're saying, let's group it into these five different um, domains, purpose, landscape, climate, doctrine, and leadership. The problem is that all these dim dimensions, they're changing and they influence each other. So the, the climate influences the landscape and what your customers want might be different today than it is tomorrow than it was yesterday. So how do you deal with this constant change? So to tackle this challenge, Wardley goes to another body of knowledge by John Boyd, who was a military strategist for the, for the US uh, Navy. And he came up with something called Boyd's Observe, Orient, Decide, Act Loop. So basically he says, what you need to do in, a, in any game, in any combat is observe, use that ob observation to orient yourself, um, decide on a play, so decide on what to do, act, and then again, observe. So basically iterate on what you're doing. And the quicker you iterate, the, the better you can outsmart your opponent. So what Worley does is he has these five domains from Sun Tzu, and he says, okay, let's use that, but let's also iterate quickly. So he combines the two, these two models. And this is what becomes sort of Wardley's body of knowledge, which is a lot to, to grasp. So that's why this slide, there's a lot of information here. We basically see it as the combination of these two models. And I've drawn a little map here under, under landscape, because this is the part where Wardley mapping, the mapping part where that comes in. So it's only um, when we're talking about the landscape that we st start mapping but all these other domains, they sort of have a relationship with the map. So once you draw the map, you're able to, to talk about the other domains. So then if you remember the beginning, there was a fourth problem and this was the lack of context. So once we make a decision, we don't know if it was the right one or not. So for instance, if you go to business books on strategy, they'll say you need to have a focus. Um, but focus could, you know, someone that drives a project into the ground because he isn't open to any other, um, any other feedback, this person's very focused. But the project or the, the, the business has been driven into the ground. So the question is, what is the context in which this advice works? And this is something that, that Wardley's body of knowledge tries to, tries to address with, with a map. So the map is really a solution to this problem that there's a lack of, of context. In addition, a map is also um, a tool to help you think. So once you visualize things, then you're able to more easily compare the relationship between different things and compare 
what happens when you when you move them and how they relate to other things once you've done that you're also able to communicate your ideas because you've taken something that's in your mind that might have been implicit you might not know exactly what the relationship was or how to draw it and once you put it on the map it becomes explicit and then you can communicate and talk about it and often this creates conflict because you might not agree with with someone else in your team or in your business about it um, but this is good this is part of the purpose of mapping is to take things that are implicit in your mind and make them ex explicit in a map so that you can discuss them this helps you learn about things it helps you learn about what are sort of the mental models that other people have about your business um, it helps you learn because you're putting a lot of things into context and you're starting to see the larger picture so these are some quotes from from uh, Wardley's book he says but if I cannot see the landscape then how do I know whether an approach is universal or context specific so this is his gripe with business books business strategy books is that you get this advice but it's not clear if it's universal so universal would be something that falls under doctrine something that you tell your troops to apply to whatever the situation but something context specific is something that you only apply in very specific situations and so you need the context you need the map to be able to de to determine if a piece of advice is going to work for you or not So what are the requirements for a map? So Wardley is very particular about this. He says, a map is only a map if it is visual. A map is only a map if there are components that you can put on the map that represent something. A map is only a map if the distances mean something. So this is where it gets interesting because there are many techniques that are called maps. You've got impact mapping and story mapping, but the issue with these maps is that a distance in these maps does not mean anything. If you increase the distance between two components, the map is still the same, nothing changes. Whereas what Worley is saying here is that if you want a map to contain or to be as useful as possible, you need to make the distances between components needs to have a meaning. So in both directions, in the x-axis and the y-axis. And so then he also says the orientation also needs to mean something. So if you, if you just have the distances between points meaning something, so let's say two points are separated um, on this screen, and then we say, okay, this is 10 meters. That's fine, but is it 10 meters towards north or towards west? So this is where orientation gives you sort of an extra level of, of information in the, in the map. And then lastly, um, the map needs to be context specific. That means that these components need to pertain to my specific situation. They need to represent components that are relevant to me and relevant to my bu uh, business and not relevant to someone else's business or not components that are that belong to someone else. So these are the requirements for a map. And so the structure that Wardley came up with, again, to create context, to be able to understand how to make these decisions. He said, okay, let's try and capture, let's try and capture this high dimensional problem of trying to navigate your business in two dimensions. And I've purposely 
blacked out the content of this graph. I only want you to see the dimensions. So these are the axes. So we've got the evolution axis on the x-axis, we've got the value chain axis on the y-axis. So these are the dimensions that Worley chose to best capture the landscape of a business. And to understand Worley mapping, you need to understand these dimensions. So I want you to get a feeling for what they mean. So in the next slide, I want you to get a feeling for what evolution means. So this is the x-axis in the Worley map. So Worley says that every component in a capitalistic system under influence of competition will evolve. So this is an example of the mobile phone. We see that the mobile phone started off as some very prototypey, heavy, inefficient, um, unreliable, big thing here in the left. But it worked, but that's the only thing that it got right. It just worked, it was sort of a proof of concept. And that's where inventions start. And then slowly it becomes sort of more custom. They work out some of the, some of the flaws and it gets, basically gets better and better until it becomes something like that we would call custom built. And once it's custom built, it's not quite yet a product. It's not something you would buy on the shelf. There's still some problems with it. But then again, under the same influences of a capitalistic system, it becomes better until you do find it on the shelf and it does get marketed. And then this is where it's more, most lucrative for businesses to, uh, to sell this product. And then uh, because it's lucrative, more businesses will enter the scene and more will sell the similar products. And what's gonna happen is that the prices will go down and eventually also that the mobile phones will become less uh, differentiated. So what you see here, I've added some, some of the phones for the, the top selling phones of 2019. And what you see, if, if you look at all the phones throughout their evolution is that you see in the beginning, and this is a characteristic of, of uh, the evolution of any component. In the beginning, there's just one, which is, a bit, which is clunky and unreliable. But then there's many different ones as they're trying to search for like, what's the most efficient, what's the best way to build this thing? And there's a lot of variety. Um, but then the product slowly becomes undifferentiated and we call it a commodity. So nowadays, phones look almost the same. Performance is almost the same. Everything's almost the same. And this is the fate of any component in a capitalistic society, but not just physical, tangible products. This also applies to, for instance, um, processes or data. Data becomes more structured over time. So this is, this is a way of, of looking, and I purposefully say components, because it not just applies to, to products, it also applies to, to other categories of things, which makes the Wardley map a bit more confusing, a bit more ambiguous, because you can map the evolution of a phone on the same map as you map the evolution of a process. But if you just accept this level of ambiguity, it becomes a very powerful tool. So again, this is the x-axis, evolution. Then we have the y-axis. The y-axis is, the, is the, what Worley calls the value chain. So basically what he does is 
he starts at the top and he says, let's start with the user. And then what does the user need? So what are the needs of the user? So in this case, he, he used to work for a, uh, a company that offered um, photo print services and that, and that also moved into offering online photo storage. So here we've got the customer and then we draw the needs um, online image manipulation because they want to edit their images online and they want to store their, um, their photos online and they want to print them. Um, to accomplish these things, to print them, this happens, needs to happen through a website. So we just follow this chain of needs. So print needs a website. Online photo storage also needs to happen through the website. And so by asking ourselves for each component, what does it need to exist to be able to offer this? We can create this chain. And this is what Warley calls the value chain. And again, we start with the user. We ask ourselves, what are their needs? And then we go down and say, okay, what do we need to offer a website? Well, we need a CRM. What else do we need for a website? We need a platform. And these terms, again, are, are generic. And, and, and how, you, how you split them is sort of up to you and is also the art of mapping. Because you can say platform, but you could also break that down into smaller things, but then the map becomes more confusing, more conflated. So you need to strike the right balance between clarity and precision. And so this is, this is the balance that he came up with. So you've got here this value chain and he, he ended with, with power and, and data center at the bottom. Another aspect of this dimension is that the top tends to be closer to the customer, tends to be more visible. So the customer will know about the website. They will, will know about the print option. They will know about the, you know, the feature called online photo storage. They won't necessarily know about the data center or about the power or about compute. So these things are a bit more behind the scenes. But again, this is a bit of an ambiguous category. And it's, again, this, this trade-off between, um, between precision and, and usefulness, really. So now we've covered the two dimensions. So what does that look like in a map? So what happens is that you draw the value chain as, as before. So I'll go back one slide real quick. But now you give every component in this map, you give it a place on the evolution axis. So in a way you, 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 you decide for every component, how, where is this in its evolutionary life cycle? And for data center, for instance, this was, was seen as a product. Power was seen as a commodity because this is, uh, this is completely undifferentiated. Doesn't matter for who you get your power from, it's cheap, it's, uh, it's, it's a utility. But online image manipulation was still very much in the, in the custom built phase. So this gives you, this is a Wardley map. And this gives you an overview of the components of your business, where they are in their evolution, knowing that all components are going to be moving further down the evolutionary scale at their own pace, but you know that they're all moving. And this starts to give you some insight into, okay, I know that these are gonna move. I know my competition probably has similar components. This is something you can map separately. You can start thinking about maybe 
here's a component which seems to be connected to a lot of other components, but it's not very evolved. Maybe we should focus our business efforts on evolving this component, making it more of a product, trying to reduce the defects, reduce the uncertainty there, make it more of a commodity. Because as things become a commodity, they become more stable, they become cheaper. Um, so this is an, an instance of where a Wardley map can give you some insight on, on, on where to focus your efforts. So Wardley calls the, the for instance, the, the fact that every component or the tendency, I should say, of every component to evolve, to move along the x-axis, he calls this a climatic pattern. And he has a bunch of climatic patterns, which you can look up on his, on his website, which I'll, which I'll share. And yes, I guess that's, that's all I want to say on this slide. So there's, there's these climatic patterns. Here's another way a Wordly map can be useful. So because you have custom built sort of the, the unstable versions on, on the left-hand side, they've got the stable mass produced versions on the right-hand side. You can also think about using different development philosophies to build software in those areas. So when, when you don't know what problem you're solving and you don't know what solution you're building, then agile is probably the best solution for you because agile optimizes for minimizing the cost of change. But if you are in the middle and you sort of, you know which problem you're solving, you're just looking for a solution, you're looking for minimum viable product, then maybe lean, um, lean methodologies are best for you. And if you know what the problem is and you know what the solution is and you only care about reducing defects, so this is the business of car manufacturers, for instance, then Six Sigma is all about reducing the amount of defects. So this, this will be the best approach to go. So in this way, understanding where the components of your business are, it can inform the decision on what type of philosophy to use to build software or to, uh, to tackle that problem. Another way Worley Maps can give insights. So if you say have, you have components that are in the genesis or in the custom build stage, this requires a special type of person to be active in this stage because they're on the frontier of what is known. So they need to be comfortable with failing. They need to be comfortable with not having clear instructions what to do. So Worley calls these pioneers. They, they're the, the, the innovators. And as soon as they've found something that might be a value, they've, they've built a prototype, but you know, it's not stable, but you know, the concept is there they pass it on to the settlers and the settlers are able to take it through the next stage. So these are people that are maybe have a slightly less appetite for uncertainty, um, but they can turn this into something a bit more stable and they can then pass it on to town planners. And this are maybe developers or people that uh, really value stability and really are able to focus. Their strength is really scaling things up not so much uh, finding new things. So if you view these evolutionary areas as having different levels of uncertainty, you can use that to pair it with people that are also comfortable with those different levels of uncertainty. So that's a 
quick overview of Wardley mapping. Um, I've tried to sort of parse it with my own uh, with my own words um, because I think that's the the most the most valuable contribution I can I can give on this topic. I've been starting doing this with with businesses, and I've I've noticed that um, especially getting in terms of making decisions, understanding how to make decisions, this can be a very valuable tool. Um, so if you're interested in your startup or your uh, whatever type of business you have, you're interested in strategic decision-making, uh, drop me a line. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to discuss uh, Wardley mapping or anything else you want to discuss. Uh, my email is jesse at pocketrevolutions.com. Pocket Revolution is my agency. And um, with that, I think we can jump into the live demo. Mm -hmm.